This is a, a time, it's not actually a conference, it's what we call a kickoff time in which because of the fact that God is building us together as a, as a, as a, as a body and fitting us together as a household, um, what we are actually having uh, today is, is a moment in time in which God is doing something timely in our church. Yeah? And so I'm, I'm not about to teach anything that's sort of like conference or anything like that. I'm just wanting to just make a few th- remarks about what God is doing what God is doing and what he may be doing in your life and how we could actually uh, follow him and, and work with him in time. Yeah? So it's not actually a teaching that's meant to be um, a standalone or a series of standalone teachings like we have in a conference. We actually are just talking with one another. And so feel free to interrupt me if I'm speaking anything or you, you, you feel that... Um, it needs to be clarified. We're just chatting right now. Is that okay? We're just chatting. And, uh, and wh- what we are interested in doing is to kind of uncover what the Lord is saying or doing in our church and how we should respond to Him, right? So these are not timeless truths. We are just timely, very specific, but in particular to our church, what the Lord may be, uh, be saying. And there's a way in which we as a household of God hear from one another as well, not just from me, but from each other as well. So we, the real, the, the main event for our weekend is really the groups that we are having. And what I am going to be sharing with you uh, is hopefully helpful it, in that. And perhaps um, what this may help is for each of us, especially those of you who have you know, recently been joining in, in BCF's um, Sunday services to get sort of a little intro to what BCF is about and what God seems to be doing in BCF. So this is what uh, our weekend is, is for. To the end that as we get involved in church, we don't just um, attend church as a congregant or, a, or as an audience, but we realize that God is actually fitting us together, the whole church together. And God has a supernatural and infinite purpose for every single one of us because each one of us is fits into His purposes. And His purposes are not just so that we can be a cog in the wheel or sort of a little screw somewhere, but that He can actually grow His purposes in us We've been speaking about the fact that, um, you know, in, on Sundays that God actually is going to grow us in His purposes for us and in such a way that it involves the church as well. Okay? So I'd like to just say a few things. And um, so in some of, some, some of what I will be talking about today and tomorrow has to do with what is God about in our church? You know, what does God seem to be doing in our church? It's not an exposition I'm giving. I'm just saying that these are the things that, God has given to us as a church to emphasize. Every church is different. Every church has a dimension that God has given to them. But it seems like God has been um, emphasizing or, or planting in our church certain ingredients that it's important for us to be able to see so that your, your experience of VCF will not be one in which you're constantly feeling that, oh, I, d- I didn't expect that. Uh, this is... This jars me. Uh, 
why do they do that? Uh, why, why this emphasis? Um, so hopefully this will be of great help to you so that it can help you to navigate life in BCF. All right? Okay. But first of all, I'll talk about something that's scriptural. Um, if you can turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we'll read it from verse 12. Remember that you were, I'm going to read from the NASB, Daniel. Um, God, that's because it's the Bible that has a big enough print for me. <laughs> Not because it's any better than others. <laughs> Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in this world, but now in Christ, now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself, yeah, very important, in himself, he might make the two into one new humanity or one new man, thus establishing peace, and might re reconcile them both in one body to Christ through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. This is, this is actually very profound and it's very life-changing. It can be very, very liberating because basically what Paul is saying is this, that we in our own particular identities, yeah, he was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, basically, as I said before, on Sunday, there were basically two races, Jews and non-Jews, right? These are the two races. And they were defined by their ethnicity. They are defined by their background, their culture, their religion, by their distance from the temple. The Gentiles were further out. Gentile women were even further, further out. Um, uh, Jewish males were closer. Jewish females were a little bit further out. And what he's saying is this, that these distinctions that have, become, that have become identity distinctions have been obliterated by Christ. The enmity that exists between these two, the Jews and Gentiles, has been completely abolished. But it is not abolished because Christ did a miracle for, for them. It says that it was abolished in himself. That means in him, the reasons for our enmity, the sin that's in us, yeah, our enmity is because of our sin, our sin nature, nature, was destroyed. It wasn't that somebody signed a piece of paper or God by fiat from heaven said, okay, from now on, you're not going to be enemy, enemies. That would not solve the problem because the problem of sin continued, would, would have continued in each one. So that even though amnesty is... is, 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 is uh, given peace accords have been done and signed, we still can't run away from ourselves. And what, what Paul is saying is that Christ in himself broke the enmity so that he himself died. It had to die by being collected into him, that enmity, that, that nature of sin, that nature, this particularity of our own who we are, our own kind of race, our ethnicity, our background, our culture, our everything, had to be killed in him. And the only reason why we can have reconciliation is because in himself, he 
destroyed it by destroying himself. That's the, that's, a, that's the amazing thing. It's not because we now are Christians and we say now we must not fight. You know how when you were kids, did you ever, I, I used to fight with my sister. And we call each other names, we'll make poems against each other and all that. And, my, and we, used to, we used to have fisticuffs. And then my parents said, no, okay, right, you can write poems against each other, at least it's not violent. But the thing about it is that we had such enmity with one another, no matter how many deals we, do, we, we had, no matter how, how many rewards we had for not quarreling, we'd still quarrel. But because the sin was inside us. What Paul is saying here is this, the only way in which enmity could be dealt with is when our old nature, our own identity was completely obliterated so that we can be one in Christ. Amen? That means I cannot be identified by my background, my history and all that, even though those things are true. There are things about me, but they are not me. They are not my identity. They are not my essential who I am. And so that's really important. The Bible does not deny who we are, where we came from. Paul would say, I'm a Jew. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm all that. Yeah? But he does not allow that to separate him from anyone else in the church. And that is why he made a stand against even Peter when Peter was kind of waffling about, about these things. And so that's the basis of our oneness in Christ. But there's more, all right? Verse 17, he came and preached peace to one, to those, to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So he says, we have access through the spirit in one spirit to the Father. So when you are no longer straight, so then you are no longer, verse 19, strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. I love that. And that's where we, we have that household. So that we, it's almost as if this, the only way in which we can come into the kingdom of God, in, into the household of God, is to leave our old selves behind. Churches that make their identity a particular thing, right, have to somehow shed that in order to be one in Christ. Not deny it, but just put it aside. Because what Christ has done, he has made an entrance into his kingdom by death. Only death can do that. That's why when we have a baptized, we die to ourselves. We cannot join a club. We can't join this religious club called Christianity. We cannot join it in the first Adam, the, 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 the first Adam. We, the first Adam can't enter, enter in. He can try to do religion, but he can't. The first Adam has to die, and only the, the, the second Adam can come in through death. Right? That's what, basically what uh, is being said here. So that we are, even though we are no longer, so that we are no longer strangers and aliens, but our fellow citizens with the saints and of God's household. Praise God. We enter into the household by death. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so verse 21 is what I want to focus on. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, 
is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I'm going to read that again, verse 21. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, isn't that amazing? is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. What is a dwelling of God in the Spirit? The word dwell has to do with God's home base. We all as human beings are living stones, First Peter says. We are being built together as a dwelling for God in the spirit. Somehow we, if each one of us are living stones, stones that are alive, that can grow actually, they are, we are stones that actually can do stuff. We are being fitted together and the fitting together is making a space for God to dwell. That means to remain and feel comfortable enough to do everything that is in his nature to do. A dwelling place of God is amazing because it is a place that is conducive for miracles. You know, there are specific places in which God is able to dwell and have the freedom to move that are different from other places. God is everywhere. But there are certain places that are special dedicated to Him. They are consecrated to Him. The hearts are there. These spaces, these spaces, these places are made by living persons fitted together that conduce to God's miracles. Do you remember a, a, a place in the Gospels where it says, and Jesus, because there was no faith, could do very few miracles there. It wasn't a dwelling place of God. It was a tabernacle. I'm sorry, not tabernacle. It was a, a synagogue but he could not do many miracles there in Nazareth. Right? In Psalm 68, it says, um, a father of the fatherless and a protector of widows is God in his holy sanctuary. Yeah? It's almost as if God can do anything anywhere he wants, but he is conduced, yeah, it's conducive for God to move in certain places where the human architecture is, is, is in line with his nature and with his call. It's holy. It's given over to God. It doesn't have human uh, agendas. It is about God. It's places of worship. It is places in which God is listened to and attended to. Yeah? So, we are being built into a dwelling place of God that is a place where God is free to do more miracles, more works of grace, where it seems as if the it's not a really accurate way of saying it. The Holy Spirit seems more free to move. The Holy Spirit is more free to move. He can do anything He wants, but He moves in space that is relational. So you give Him attention and give him love, the space increase, increases, or you can say it gets closer. Does that make sense? When Christians forgive one another, 
Yeah? If they practice, you know, uh, reconciliation with one another, not backbiting, not speaking against one another, not tearing each other down, not making use of one another, not, you know, I, 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 was, I passed a church in which two brothers, they swindled each other. Can you imagine? After church, we, we finished our, our, our service and those two started fighting in church, my church. <laughs> we solved that problem very quickly. I pulled them up there. And then they became good friends later on. But there's ways in which relational space is something we can create by our service, our heart, our attitude towards God. When we worship Him, He seems to come closer. Does that make sense? So when Paul talks about us being the whole building in Him being fitted together, he's talking about not all this. This is beautiful. The lights are beautiful and the painting is all very beautiful and expensive. (laughs) But he's not talking about that. He's talking about human beings related well to one another and in, in serving one another. This is what we are believing that God is doing. We, we are not piles of sand, piles of wood, piles of nails and all that, all there. They're all, but they're not fitted together. God is fitting us together and it has to be something that is supernatural, something, something of the Holy Spirit. We are, all, we are availing ourselves for that. And why you are here is in, in, in large part because of the fact that you sense perhaps that God is doing something and you want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. And I, and I don't actually fully know what God is doing, but I want to say, yeah, here I'm available. Do what I, whatever you want with me. So what we'll do is, is that during this, this weekend, we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk about that. Because there's a way in which how God leads you and me to fit in with what He's doing in this body is going to be very, very powerful in each of our individual lives, not just in our corporate life, but in our individual lives. But let's have a look at this. It says, verse 21, in whom the whole building be, being fitted together, in whom, let's, use, let's look at that phrase first, in whom. It means all this stuff that we do, church stuff and all this conference or, or whatever kickoff things that we're doing, it, has, it can only happen when it is in Him. We can't try to do religious things or we can't try to do spiritual Christian things or BCF things if it's not in Him. We can't be in VCF. <laughs> you have to be in Him. If you're in VCF or you're, in, you're in, into each other too much, you will actually start fighting. You get frustrated. It's impossible to be fitted together by being in each other. We can't be in each other. Even families, we can't be in each other that much. I'm really into my girls, but if I'm too much into, into my girls and I'm not in him, we have problems. We'll start fighting. True? You cannot be into family to such an extent that family is so important to you that you're not into God. So all this church stuff can only happen if we are in him. So in him, the whole building. Can you say it together? In Him, the whole building. Let's say it, one, two, three. In Him, the whole building, which means every single one of us. In, in Him, even the, the ones of us who feel, I'm the newest here, 
I don't even, I'm just new in town. I don't even know whether, know anybody here on this, on, on this pew. There's no one here that I know. In him, the whole building, every one of us, is being fitted together. It's almost as if it's not you, not your intention that's making it happen. It is actually God somehow pulled you. I don't know how you came to VCF. I don't know how. I know, I know some, some of us just drove in. In fact, I've heard someone who said, I was just driving and I felt compelled to drive into the parking lot. That's how it is. Yeah. Someone, <laughs> we won't mention them, came to this church because they thought that we are Calvary Church, uh, Calvary, uh, Calvary Chapel. Made a mistake. Came to VCF because they thought we are Calvary, Calvary Chapel. And stuck. I can only say this because it's because of the Holy Spirit, because miracles have happened in her life. Their lives, sorry. Not her life, but her li- their lives. Does that make sense? I don't know how you are here. I don't know how we are all here. It doesn't matter because the Lord is fitting us together. But it's in Him, you see. It's almost as if you don't actually have to worry too much about how you're going to fit together. You just be in Him. Does that make sense? If you think too much about how to strategize, how, how you're going to be involved in VCF and you know, do your gift survey and all that, all those are all fine. But those in and of themselves don't actually fit us together. In fact, if I look at my talents, the, uh, the, my background and my, and my abilities and all that, or my spiritual experiences, they are not the place to be in or in in order for me to be in, play my role. It is possible for me as a pastor to, be, to completely feel out of this whole place, just out of it. It's possible, right? If I'm not in him. I could be into my profession or into my calling or into my, my, the history of why I'm here. I could, I, could be, I could be here because of all kinds of reasons. But if I'm not in him, it's not going to be a living stone that's growing. It says, in him the whole building it says that, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a temp- holy temple for the Lord. Yeah? We are growing, which is great. How to grow? Be in Him. Be fitted and, and in Him. Be open to Him moving you to serve and to be a part of the community of the church. Allow Him to do that and you will grow. It's impossible to really grow without being part of the body. It's impossible. You cannot be an individualistic Christian. It just doesn't work. You can go up to a certain point, and after a while, it just kind of, kind of dips again. It just swirls downwards. The only way in which is, we can do it is to be in Him. Amen? Um, in him we grow, we are going to grow. So let's look at this. Verse 21. In whom, yeah, first point, the whole building, second point, being fitted together, yeah, that's why we're here, is growing into a holy temple that's being built together as a dwelling for God and the Spirit. We are, being, we are growing. Yeah? We want to know how we can grow. True? How we can grow in the, in the place that God has put us to. 
Any question? All right, good. Thank you, no questions. Let's move on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how we can grow in Him. And for those of you who are new to VCF, this may be uh, news to you. I'm going to share seven things. They're not by any means all the seven things that are important, but I want to share about seven things that the Lord over these years has shown us are the Lord is placing in our church as a dimension, as dimensions that will make us a contribution to the body of Christ at large. Things that He seems to be shaping us in, and these things are not esoteric things. These are basic things that are in the New Testament and Old Testament. These are things that are basic emphases that will help us to understand BCF. Does that make sense? All right. I'd like to share at least one today, and then we'll share the rest tomorrow. And the first thing I want to share about has to do with gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, Gifts of the Spirit, like our gifting. One of the things that it's possible if you are new to VCF and who have have and have had um, church background before and had a way in which you function in church is to think of, of, of church this way. When we come into church, we want to serve, we want to be part of it, and God has given us gifts. And so these gifts is, are important for us to find out. Let's find out our gifts. And when we can find out our gifts, then we can easily specialize in those things and actually be, and those things can be our contribution to the church. And that is how I know many churches function. We do have a slightly different approach to this. And the approach has to do with the fact that there are foundations in the New Testament of how spirituality works. And for those of you who have been in BCF for a while, you will know that we've been talking about the New Covenant. The New Covenant has to do with the fact that before we think about, about the gifts, the most important and basic, life-changing, earth-shattering thing that has happened to us that makes us Christians is the fact that God came into us and gave us a new life. The old life, the old Adam, cannot live the Christian life. The old Adam can be gifted and has talents. It does have that. But many people think that they can bring the old Adam into church life and serve by contributing their gifts. But these are the gifts that the old Adam has. It's the old nature, the old person. Sometimes the, the, new King, the King James calls it the old man, yeah? man and woman. It's our old life. It's the life that we had before we became Christians. When Christ came into our life, what happens is that the, he, he brought to death our old nature. When you become a Christian, you die. That's why you are immersed in baptism. You die. 
because the life that does not die cannot live the Christian life. Most Christians are trying to live the Christian life with the old life. And so what they do is that they try to find their gifts because the old life has gifts, right? The old Adam has gifts. So they serve the Lord in the strength of their gifts. But those gifts are from the old person in Christ. The old Adam. The first Adam. That doesn't work. It takes us a certain amount, a certain way. But it's not miraculous. It is not the dwelling place of God kind of thing. It's not distinctive of God. It is in undifferentiated from the things of the world or the things of the flesh. In VCF, what's really important is this. We understand that the, own, the beginning part of our Christian life has to do with the fact that we died and life, our life was hid with Christ in God. When Christ was alive, appeared through the resurrection, we appear with Him in glory. We are close to Him. We, are, we have a new life. The, only the new life can overcome sin. Only the old life, the, only the new life can function in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Amen? The, the new life in Christ actually goes back to our old gifts, our old talents, and makes it alive and makes it supernatural. So you don't actually discard those things, but you actually become more. So even natural things, even like in sport, in studies, in our minds and all that, we begin to find... Familiar old mind, but it's enlivened because Christ has made it new. Does that make sense? Now, our understanding of how we move in the church in terms of the gifts of the Spirit is based upon that. If you don't have that, then what's happening is that you are trying to use scriptures to identify the gifts that you have, but they are from the old man that has not been resurrected yet. It's not going to be directed, resurrected. Moshman, he says, the Lord will not put his anointing on the old man. He won't bless it. He won't anoint it. He won't do, do, do amazing dwelling place things in him. Yeah? The church is a dwelling place of God where he can actually feel free to do amazing things, healings, deliverance life-changing things, things that will affect the nation when we grow into it, right? But there's a growth process as well. He wants to do amazing things that will bring justice to those who have been in, 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 in captivity, right? That has been ripped apart. He wants to do these things, but he's growing it in us. And it cannot be done in God's way by the old man. Now, many churches try to do it Good things with the old man. But there's no miracles there, not much. There's high, there are many times when God, by His grace, He just blesses things. But generally speaking, what He wants to do is to do His works through the new man, okay? All right. Make sense? The new covenant tells me that I am not limited to my gifts, but I have everything in Christ, right? If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I've got 15 minutes. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, 
Verse 4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which has given you in Christ Jesus. Hey, grace, grace simply means the supernatural life of God. Yeah? The supernatural life. Grace is that which is of God, from God, of the nature of God. The grace of God which is God's given you in Christ Jesus carries that in everything you are enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge. So what he's saying is this, you have everything. You have all speech, all knowledge. Oh, even the Corinthian church, they have a bad rap, probably deservedly. But even they, with an undeveloped life of Christ, nature of Christ, they still have all things because Christ is in them. Amen? You're enriched in Him, in all speech, all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you so that you are not lacking in any gift. What does it mean, the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you? That means you proved the reality of the testimony of Christ, that Christ is in you. You actually exhibit the speech, the knowledge that is of God. So the Corinthian church was getting all kinds of revelations, right? All kinds of revelations, words of knowledge, revelations, right? Now, they didn't develop their character in Christ. They just got enamored by these supernatural things that God had given to them, right? But point is, they have been given everything that they need in terms of knowledge. Some of this knowledge that God has given to us will only be actualized if we practice something. Practice that knowledge. And so I shared with you about, um, those of you who have heard this, please bear with me. Um, there was a, a woman in our church who, after going to college, graduating, becoming a professional, said, I don't know how to ride a bicycle. So I told her, you know, 1 Corinthians 1, all knowledge has been given to you. You can ride a bicycle. She said, no, I can't ride a bicycle. Every time I ride, I've fallen so many times. So I told her, you go with your husband and ride your bicycle and just go for 300 meters. At 300 meters, you will discover the knowledge of riding a bike that you had. So she tried it, and she came back to me. She says, yes, I tried it. First 20, 20 meters, I fell off. 50 meters, I fell off. 100 meters, I fell off. At 120 or 30, 30 meters, I found I was riding my bike. Riding my bike came to me. Does that make sense? There are some things that God has deposited in you. You don't consciously know those things, but if you practice them, you will find out. That's that. Amen? There are many things that the Holy Spirit will lead you to do, even though you don't know why you're supposed to do it. But when you do it and you pursue it, at 300 meters, you'll find the knowledge of that comes forth. What God is saying is that there's a whole way in which the, this life of Christ is actualized in our lives through the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? And what the Corinthian church had to do was to learn how to live by faith based upon the new man, not the old man, or the new woman, yeah, in him. So, he says, you, you have all knowledge. 
Turn with me also to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. What does that mean? It means that all the blessings of God have been condensed and squeezed into Christ. When Christ came in as, as, a, as a man to earth, all those blessings of, of heaven, those cosmic blessings of, of the supernatural life of God, were squeezed and condensed into Christ. When Christ died and, le- and rose from the dead, He gave us His Holy Spirit, and that condensed life of every blessing was put in you and me. Put in you and me, whatever your gift may be. Isn't that amazing? All the supernaturals, all the graces, all the charismas, martyrs, have been put into you. Not because you have this so-called gift, but because of the fact you have the life of Christ inside you. So don't be limited to the so-called gift that you think you have. I'm sure you have it, but don't be limited to that, right? The, also, um, you can turn with me to 1 John verse 1 verse 16. If you like, 1 John 1 6, 6, I believe. And he says, of his fullness you have all received grace upon grace. Right? We have all of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Okay, one last one. And that will be Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We can read that in verse 26. He's talking about the mystery that's been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to the saints, verse 7, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery, the mystery that in First Peter it says angels were on tenterhooks, prophets were wanting to, searching desperately, to see what is this mystery. The mystery was this, that God, in all His godness, could be, in a sense, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you forgive the, my expression, condensed into Christ. And that life of Christ could be put into you and me so that, so that Christ in us, the hope of glory. So when we read the Gospels and we read what Jesus did, we don't read it just because of the fact that we want to model our life upon Jesus, this radical or this revolutionary hippie kind of thing. We don't, model, we don't read the Gospels because of the fact that Jesus was so radical. He was so rad that we want to follow his life and, 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 and be humble only. But we read it because it's telling us what he exactly said. The things that I do you will do also. And what, what does he say? And greater things. We are almost afraid to say that. Because Jesus only lived for 33 years. Or he'll do greater things. Isn't that amazing? So in VCF, 
what we emphasize is the fact that Christ is in you to do more than your so-called gifting can say. Because of that, we focus on the fact that we can be in Christ and we can hear from God, we can grow in Him, and there are ways in which Christ's life in us can grow. We don't necessarily say you have to find your spiritual gifts. I think you'll find it anyway. And we can find ways in which we can find that. But that's not the major. We don't dismiss it. We don't dismiss it. But we say, find what's the need. And there's a deeper and more important principle than just being self-actualized by doing and developing our gifts. The deeper principle is like, I see a need. I want to serve the Lord and do it. Does it make sense? How many of have you have heard of um, Amy Sample McPherson? Yeah? The founder of the Foursquare Movement. Amy Sample McPherson, when she was touched by God in one of the conferences, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and for the first time in her life, coming out of a, a life that's been quite tawdry, uh, she comes in and she says, I just want to serve God. I just want, is there anything for me to do? And she was in this big conference that hundreds of people, and they gave him her piles of plates, piles of plates to just wash. And then she just washed those plates. Wash those plates, wash those plates. After she'd finished, she said, any more plates to wash? And they just gave her more plates to wash. More plates. They thought she was a crazy woman. But as she did that, she just served. And as she served, she found that among people that she was serving, she would find people that were sick or had some kind of oppression or some kind of headaches and all that. And just things happen. And she just would pray for them, and it seemed like they would get healed. And as she continued to serve, that serving led her into more things. But she was not trying to find what her spiritual gifts were. She was not trying to say, okay, God has made me for a purpose, and I've got to obey my calling, and I've got dreams. I've got to do that. She wasn't saying that. She was saying, I'm so grateful, Jesus, that you have forgiven me for all my sins. What, what do you want me to do? Yeah? So, so as, a, as, 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 a, as a church, one of the things that can cause weakness in a church is when we try to focus so much on spiritual, finding out our spiritual gifts, but we, we, we lose fact, the fact that Christ in us, the hope of glory, has much more glory for us. And what we try to do is to develop our spiritual lives, to develop our time with God, our prayer life, so that our spiritual, uh, the, the inner man can be stronger and stronger. Because if your inner man is stronger and stronger and stronger, and through, through prayer, we will talk about that tomorrow, we, we break through barriers, we hit barriers, we hit the walls, and we, we press into the walls. Every time we press through the wall, we get stronger, we get stronger, we get more, more focused, we get more sharp. And as that happens just because of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, not because of any gifts, that relationship causes great things to happen in our lives. When I was, when I was a, a young boy, um, I came from a Christian family. Um, it was a brethren family. Youth for Christ heard that I could play the piano. So they, you, you, how many have you heard of Youth for Christ? I know Mona has heard of Youth for Christ. Some of you have heard of Youth for Christ. Youth for Christ in Malaysia was quite big. India and Malaysia, big. Youth for Christ is huge. They have these big rallies. 
And so I was about 13, 13, 14 years old. This very kind man with Youthful Christ, he said, do you think you can play the piano for us? So I just went in, I just played the piano. Yeah, just played the piano. And he, said, he told me after that, you should, you should play the piano more. So I started playing for weddings and all that, you know. And, and it wasn't very good, but, but I, it was my chance to serve the Lord. And as I served, served, served the Lord, I found more opportunities to play the piano. Okay? I don't know what spiritual gift you call playing the piano. The spiritual gift of playing the piano. When, uh, when, I, uh, when I went to college, there was something in me, not because of, I, I had no, 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 no paradigm for gifts of the Spirit. When I went to college, I was in the English department. The English department was considered quite notorious. Uh, each class has about you know, 150, 200 students. And I went into the English department late because I transferred from, from another course to English. And so I didn't know anybody. And God put in my heart to actually pray for my class. I did not know anyone. I just knew one person. And I started praying. And these people looked so wild, right? I was a good Christian boy who came out of good Christian brethren family, you know. Never said a bad word. Never smoked, never did anything, never drank, that nothing. Just straight cut, right? And I prayed for all these guys, a wild, right? wild, sleeping around, fornicating, doing all kinds of things, you know? <laughs> but somehow God put in my heart to pray for them, just pray for them, and longing for them to come to the Lord. I just prayed, just prayed, just prayed. When, meanwhile, playing my piano in church, the weddings and, and youth for Christ and all that. And then one day, I have been praying for one whole year. I've been praying for one whole year and still could not get into that group, right? These were the group that, that you know, that lay, lay around in the arts concourse, just playing guitars and just making a noise, right? Very... Notorious, notorious. They did theater. They did great stuff. They we did. They I. They did uh, Samuel Beckett's um, "Waiting for Godot" and all great, great, great plays. But I wanted to bring them, you know, to to at least be known by them or to know them as well. But they are a closed group. I just continued praying. Just continued praying. And then one day, one of them had gone to one of the YFC, Youth for Christ rallies, as a non-Christian, and saw me playing there. And when he saw me in the arts concourse in the, in the university, he said, hey, Michael, didn't you, weren't you at that place? And he didn't want to admit that he had gone to that place, but then he said, hey, he plays the piano, you know. And before long, I got to know them. Continue praying for them. Continue praying for them. You know, by the end of my time in, in, in college, by the end of my third year actually, at least about 40 of them had become Christian, including 
the most notorious of all of them. The most notorious of all of them. He and I started, when he became a Christian, he and I started saying we're going to target all these notorious of all. Those are the guys who steal books from the library and all that. And we're going we're gonna to bring them to the Lord. And we did. You know what we did? We got up in the morning, early in the morning, at 7.30 in the morning, we'll, stay, we'll, we'll sit on the benches and wait for people to come and start accosting them and sharing the gospel with them. Before long, they all, the most notorious became Christians. Demons were cast out and all that, you know? I don't know what gift that is. The gift of terrorizing. <laughs> but can you see what I'm saying? In VCF, we believe that if we fo- just follow, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and, and know this, that God is in us to do good, to do good in the, in the body, He will lead us and He will develop our, 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 our spiritual gifts. In the meantime, we keep looking out for whether gifts are developing. Because you're going to find that sometimes certain things that you do, God blesses more and more and more. Yeah? There are two patterns of uh, developing uh, spiritual gifts that I've found were uh, good principles. The first one has to do with I had a senior moment there. What we call force role development. Force role development. You may, in the course of life in BCF, find that there's a need and someone says, hey, can you lead this? Can you lead this, this small group thing? Or can you, we need somebody to play the piano. Ellie, can you, come, can you come, come up? We need you to play. Or something that you are forced into because of a need. That is one of the most divine ways in which God actually develops our spiritual gifts. It's called force role development. Force role development. One time I was, uh, when I was in, uh, in my first year in college, never preached before. I only knew John 3.16. 3, John 3, I, was, I was accosted by someone who was supposed to preach in a high school Christian fellowship, and he got sick, and he said, can you do it? And my friends around me said, you better do it, you better do it. And I, before I could say no, I had to do it. And I just Two verses, John 3.16 and Romans 3.23 with me, and I went to preach there. And God began to bless that. Does that make sense? Force role development. You may find yourself doing something, maybe worship with, 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 um, with hospitality, with, with connecting. Somebody may come to the church and find, and find that there's nobody to talk to, and you feel this poor guy is sitting at the back and standing at the back looking at the notices, hoping somebody will talk to him, and the Holy Spirit is nudging you and forcing you into a situation. There's no one else except you. False world development. The second way in which um, gifts seem to be discovered is by what we call, Gary, giftedness drift, right? Giftedness drift, where we find ourselves in life gravitating towards people who you seem to be attracted to because of what they're doing. Some group of people, maybe just a group of writers, that you just find that you find them very interesting. You just like like to get around them, or you find 
people who are praying in the front, you like what they're doing. Or you've been blessed by someone who prayed for you and you say, you want that. Yeah? And, and you find yourself being drifted to, in that direction. And if, you, if that's the case, you may be finding that actually that you have the same gift as that person that you find yourself drifting towards. Yeah? I, I, I realized that um, when I was preaching, my, my family you would tell me, sometimes you think you're saying something really inspiring but nobody understands what you're saying. <laughs> and I've prepared so well, waiting for the moment to say this. And everybody thinks I'm t- talking nonsense. And that's because I read somebody and he said this very profound thing in such a beautiful way that I'm so inspired by it. I'm the only one who's inspired. Others are not inspired by it. <laughs> and I gather that maybe I have a gift that's sort of like him a bit. Does that make sense? My kids are always getting on me. You're such a nerd. You're such a nerd. I've never thought myself, my, of, of my, myself that way. But perhaps that's the way God is leading you. Amen? So I just want to leave this with you before we go into, into our, our groups. Um, as you're, you're, you're negotiating life in BCF, you will notice that our emphasis is on developing our life together in God, in prayer, in our devotional life, and in our character, and serving. Serving is the best way to actually allowing that growth together as a dwelling place in God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. We ask you, Lord, that you will cause every single one of us to find wisdom to know who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.